Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today is part two of our conclusion of the book of Revelation. We have invested many, many weeks walking through each chapter of this book. And today is part two of our final sermon on the book. We are in chapter 22, and we are walking verse by verse through this amazing chapter as everything in God's plan is coming full circle. Well, if you have missed any of the sermons out of this great series, well, you can always download our free mobile app, Awakened to Grace. You can go to our websites, awakentograce.com or preachingchristchurch.com. And you can go back and re-listen or watch any of our content. And friends, if this study on the book of Revelation has helped you, if you have grown in your faith, if you've grown in your knowledge of God's Word, well, I would sure love to know. You can always message me. You can shoot me an email at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. Let me know how these sermons are impacting you. Let me know how I can pray for you. I always love to know who is listening and where you are listening from. So message me today, Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Well, let's go to the conclusion of our sermon called The Greatest Epilogue Ever Written. The book of John and Revelation were not written until near the 90s. So they are dying off, and John is the last of the remaining apostles. You have to understand, Jesus is going to answer the questions that the disciples had way back in Matthew 24. Remember, the disciples came to Jesus privately on the Mount of Olives, And said, tell us, when will these things be? What's going to be the sign of your coming? And what's going to be the end of the age? And has not every single church age since then asked the exact same questions? When is Christ going to come? And do you remember what Jesus told the disciples? Jesus said, it's not for you to know. And he said... The angels in heaven do not know, and the Son of Man does not know. Only the Father knows. Now, I want to show you why I believe that changed. I believe what happened was once Christ fulfilled His mission on the cross, was buried and raised again on the third day, and then received a glorified body and ascended up to heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of God, I believe then, Christ knows, okay, all of what the Father had planned. He humbled Himself. He became a little lower than the angels, Scripture says. He did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but humbled Himself down to become like us. So now He's seated at the right hand of God, And some preachers preach that Christ still doesn't know when he's going to come back. That he's just waiting on God to say, now's the time. I don't think that. Why? Because of Revelation verse 1. Now, read it again slowly, Caleb, and let's let's pick this apart. First of all, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't have you read it. 
What does the revelation mean? It literally means to unveil or to reveal. If I had a painting up here today with a silk cloth over it, and if I were to unveil it, if I were to reveal it, I would be, it would be the revelation of the painting. What is the book of Revelation? It is not the revelation of the Antichrist or of prophecy or of the mark of the beast or of the battle of Armageddon. The book of Revelation is the revealing of Jesus. That's why every verse in the book should cause you to worship Jesus. Amen. Okay? The revelation of Jesus. Now, what does it say, Caleb? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. God gave who? Christ. Who does not know? The angels in heaven do not know, and the Son of Man does not know, only the Father. But who did God reveal it to? He gave it to him to give to who? What's it say? To show to his servants. Who are the servants? He's answering the question... That not only the disciples had back in Matthew 24, but that every Christian of every church age going forward is going to have. When is Christ coming? What is the sign of the end of the times? When will these things be? And he says, I'm going to show them to my servants. Is that singular or plural? Because, friends, it includes us. (laughs) Amen? That we would know the heart of God. That we would know the plans of God. That we would know what awaits us in eternity. That So God showed to him that he might show to his servants. And then what's the last phrase? The things that must soon take place. The things that must soon take place. Which is what is echoed in chapter 22. Verse 2, please. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Now, have we not met this angel over and over through the book? Sixty encounters with angels. Continue. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. For the time is near. Is near. Now, Caleb, take us back to chapter 22 and take me through these scriptures again. So, hear the epilogue here. Blessed are those who keep the words of this book, the testimony of Jesus, the word of God. Why? Because the time is near. Take me through this again, Caleb. Chapter 22, please. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Mm. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Do you see the link there? The things that must soon take, that's chapter 1, verse 1, continue. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Continue. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. So I told you this in the beginning of the study, and I'll remind you here at the end of the study. If you want to do a fascinating personal study on Revelation, do what's called a sight and uh, sound study. Bank a column 
and note everything in every chapter that John says, then I saw. And then note everything that John says, then I heard. And if you do a sight and sound study of Revelation, you'll find it quite fascinating. Continue, please. Verse 9. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Now, that's highly important. Now, what did... Now, remember... John is introduced to an angel in chapter 1, and he's going to encounter them many, many times throughout the chapter. Here at the end, John is so overwhelmed by everything that God has shown him. He's so overwhelmed by the visions he's received that what does he do? He falls down to worship the angel. And we're going to spend some time in December studying angels. We're going to study the roles, the responsibilities, the nature, the creations. We're going to study everything we know that the Bible teaches about angels. And I think it's going to be quite fascinating. But here is a fundamental principle that you need to know that is a biblical principle. Do you know that you and I are never, ever to pray to an angel? And you and I are never to worship an angel. That is a biblical principle. And if you want to take it further, well, well, let me, well, yeah, let me say this. People who really get into angels, no, the, listen, th- think, I'm sorry, there's a hundred things running through my mind right now. Whew, slow down, Chad. Slow it down. You've had a lot of coffee and not access to a bathroom right now. Slow it down. (laughs) Angels are so prevalent, beginning in the book of Genesis all the way through the scriptures. But do you know there's not one defining passage about angels? There's not one section of the Bible. If angels are that prominent through the scriptures, shouldn't there be an entire chapter on them that tells us everything we need to know about them? No, there's not. You know why? Because it's not prominent. It shouldn't be the prominent focus. Christ is who we worship. We learn things about angels. We glean things about angels. But there's no definitive scripture that says, here's everything you need to know. Why? Because they're not the subject. They're not the focus. Christ is. Because He is who should be worshipped. So let me tell you, if an angel ever appears to you, I've I've, I've already, if if an angel ever appears to me, I'm going to say, I don't know what I would say. I would actually probably pass out just thinking about it. I, I don't. But think about this. Anybody who, anyone know who Joseph Smith was? Founder of the Mormon church. Who appeared to him? An angel. Anybody know who Muhammad was? Founded Islam. Who appeared to him? An angel. Let me tell you, I don't care. I don't care if you ever have an angelic counter. You better worship Jesus. Because, listen. The Bible says Satan can appear as an angel of what? And look at Joseph Smith and Muhammad. Look how many people have been led astray 
in deception because it was a quote-unquote angelic visit. No. Angels are not our focus. Jesus is. Jesus is. So beware. Don't get caught up in this mystic angel stuff. No, 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 no. We focus on Jesus. We're, we're not. The only angel in the Bible that ever demanded worship was who? Lucifer. And look how much trouble. I got him kicked out of heaven for it. And if you want to take it further, you know, there's debate throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes the Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared, and many believe that was Christ precarnate. Was it Christ? When, when the angel of the Lord appeared as the captain of the host of the armies of, of the Lord in, uh, I believe it's Joshua 5, before Joshua went to Jericho, was that the Lord Jesus Christ who he stood before? Yes. You know how we know? Because he said, worship. An angel would have never done that. Angels are not to be worshipped. They are fellow servants with us. Amen? Amen. Caleb, continue, please. Verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Now, did we not hear that in chapter 1? For the time is near. Now, the next verse. These two verses really intrigue me. The time is near. Is near. So, what's the conclusion? Caleb, read the next verse. Let the evildoers still do evil, okay. and the filthy still be filthy, yeah. and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Now, isn't that fascinating? The time is near. So, those who are going to serve God, let them go and serve God. Those who are going to love sin, let them go and embrace their sin. But here's the point the time is near. Can I do a little teaching right now? You okay right now? Can, can we just dive deep for a moment? Go to 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. I want to be honest with you. In my mid-20s, this really perplexed me. I'm a young pastor trying to grow a church. I don't know anything about the book of Revelation. I thought I did, but I didn't. And I'm confused. And I come to the Lord as humbly as I can, and, and I tell the Lord, I, honestly, Lord, I, you see my heart. I'm not being flippant. I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being rude at all. But, Lord, I really need help with this. And I read this passage, the time is near. Behold, I come quickly. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I felt like the Lord wasn't being upfront with the church. And I know God's not deceptive. And I know that the Lord never sins. And I told the Lord. I said, Lord, this is my problem. It's not your problem. It's my problem. But I'm just going to be honest with you, Lord. I feel like you're tricking the church. Why did you not say in the Bible, why didn't you just come out and say it's, it's probably going to be about 2,000 years. I mean, it's going to be a while. Why have you let... Every age of the church, look for your coming and then die in disappointment because they were not the generation to see Jesus. Why would you let it go 2,000 plus years? Why didn't you just say, it'd be a minute? I didn't understand. And thank God, 
the Lord didn't zap me. <laughs> he was very gracious and he was very kind. I mean, this really bothered me. It was a legitimate question that I had. And it really bothered me. And the Lord was so kind to answer me out of the Bible. Friends, let me tell you, the Bible is its own commentary. It doesn't need your opinion, and it doesn't need my opinion. The Bible speaks for itself. And the Lord let me wrestle with that for a while, and then I'll never forget when he showed me 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Why does the Bible say the time is near, but yet it's been over 2,000 years? Listen to what it says. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now look at that. The Lord said, Chad, do you want to know why it's my will for every generation of the church to hope in my coming? To long for my appearing? Because it purifies you. Friends, let me ask you right now. What sin in your life would you walk away from if you really believed the Lord would come tonight? Who would you ask forgiveness of if you truly believed Jesus would come tonight? What things would you make right? What bitterness would you let go of? What hurt would you forgive? What things of the past would you change if you really believed Jesus was coming? What would you do different with your money? What missionaries would you support? What gospel would you invest in? What would you do different if you really believed Jesus was on the cusp of coming? See, it purifies us. When we hope in the appearing of Jesus. Amen. You know the Bible teaches five crowns. That can be one. I believe there's many more than that. But the Bible identifies for us five crowns. That will be awarded. At the Bema judgment seat of Christ. To believers. And you know what one of the crowns are? Longing for the coming of Christ. Longing for his appearing. Do you see? And what did we say last week? How dull. And how earthy is the mind that never thinks about heaven. That never lives for the coming of Jesus. But they have so many strings attaching them to this world. No, my friends, I want to cut every string. I want to long for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read a great book one time by Max Lucado on the coming of Christ. and He gave a great analogy. His daughters, who were young at the time, Max had been on an extended preaching trip, and he had been out of the country, and he was set to come home on a Friday night, and he had the most remarkable gifts for his little girls. And his wife shared with him that, yes, his girls wanted to see him, but they were so disappointed that he was coming home on a Friday night. Do you know why? Because they had made plans for a sleepover with a friend. And Max said in that book, If my girls knew 
what awaited them. If they knew the gifts that I had brought for them, they would have longed for my coming. And you know, we're the same way. We get all distracted in this world. We get tied down with things of this world. That there's some of you right now in your hearts. You say, I don't know if I want Jesus to come back. No, my friends, you and I have no idea. What's he said? He's coming with recompense in his hand. He's coming with rewards in his hand. You and I cannot even fathom what it's going to be when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. We are to long for it. Do you long for this world? Or do you long for the coming of Jesus? I want to live for that. Why? Because, Caleb, read verse 2 for me one more time, and then we'll move on. Read what it says. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Now, isn't that interesting? Beloved, who did God call beloved? Jesus, when he was baptized. We're in the same category, amen? Amen. We're the sons and daughters of God. We are the beloved of God. He says, beloved, you're children of God now. But listen, it does not yet appear what you shall be. You know what I think that means? I think that means having the glorified body just as Jesus did. Can I let some of my crazy show for just a minute? I've held a lot of it back during the study because I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But the text is here and it calls for it. So let me just show you some of my crazy right here. Do you know what I believe about eternity? I believe it will be multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional. See, you and I live in such a limited world. You and I live in a three-dimension universe. Length, width, uh, uh, length, width, and depth. That's all we know. Three dimensions. That's all we know. We're quite limited. When Christ at His glorified body... What kind of, why is it that in John 21, when the disciples are cowarding in a room behind literally a locked door, what did Jesus do? Do you remember? He appeared through the wall. How in the world did he do that? Because he's multidimensional. How is it that when he's eating dinner with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and when their eyes come open, all of a sudden, Jesus vanishes? How could he do that? Multidimensional. How is it that Jesus could eat boiled fish with Peter and then ascend on a cloud up into heaven to be on the right hand of God? How could that? Multidimensional. How do angels come and go from this earth into heaven? Multidimensional. Friends, there is a world that you and I have no knowledge of apart from what the Word of God teaches us. And what does it mean when it says that even as He is, so shall we be? Friends, there is more that awaits us than our human brains can even fathom. Anybody pay attention to the news this week? William Shatner got to go into the fringe of space. Anybody pay attention to that? Anybody see how emotional he got thanking Jeff Bezos? I thought he ought to be thanking the creator of all of this, not flipping Jeff Bezos. 
Friends, there's a world, there is a world to come. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.